I'm Andrea. And I'm Brandy. And we're Sarcastic in Suburbia. Discussing life's everyday annoyances with laughter and sarcasm. We are back with Sarcastic in Suburbia. Happy Wednesday. Episode four. I cannot even believe. So this is a month. This is so exciting. That is exciting. One month. And let me just say, even though we record every single week, it seems like weeks go by because I miss it. I miss being in front of the mic with you, having our own time. It's just fun. Yes. It does feel like we haven't seen each other forever, but we saw you on Friday. I know. I know. See what happens? I know. This is bringing us together. We've spent more time in the last four weeks together than we probably have since we were teenagers. Probably, yeah. Which is insane. It's crazy. It is crazy. But I just got off of work. Brady met me over in our podcast room. We're down here. We're getting ready to hit you with episode four. And we have got to talk about work. I know. We finished with work, we need to talk about work. But people have asked questions. What do you do for work? What kind of job do you have? What allows you to either be a stay-at-home mom or work part-time? And I feel like this is the time to kind of go through those things and also give pros and cons about each of our jobs or even jobs we've had previously than we do now. Yes. So currently your job is? Um, well, which one? My official title or my side hustle? Your official title. I am a stay-at-home mom. And I have been since our oldest was born and he's eight. Oh my, I didn't even, I know he's eight, but I didn't even, it didn't register that you've been a stay-at-home mom for eight years. I have, yeah, I have stayed at home longer than I stayed at my first profession. Okay, so you went to college. What did you go to college for? Elementary education. And you were a teacher for how many years? Five years. What grade? Third grade. Do you miss it? No. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Okay. No. no. Okay. Don't miss it at all. No. As soon as you had your first baby and you were a stay-at-home mom, you immediately felt so much happier, as in like more fulfilled than you did when you were working as a teacher? I wouldn't say more fulfilled, just the same fulfilled okay so you might as well just yeah. raise your own kids yes if you... well I mean and I was working in a title one school so that's like a lower income school so I was kind of a second mom so once I had my own kids and I was a was a mom it kind of just you know there's just less paperwork at home I gotta ask you as a teacher, you come across all kinds of students, and I'm sure in five years you came across some great ones that you remember. You remember their little faces and how sweet they were and smart, and you know that you had an impact on their lives. But I have to ask you, once you're pregnant with your first kid and you're running through the names list and you're thinking, oh, I like this name, <laughs> I don't like this name. You know what I'm getting at, I can yeah. tell. Did you ever, did anyone ever suggest a name or did you ever think of a name that you were like, absolutely not, that kid was a total terror and I would never name my child that? There were a couple, but I'm pretty sure they weren't names that were on our list to begin with. But if you heard the name now, you would think, oh, I remember that kid. I would like to say yes, that that I had horrible, horrible kids that I could not stand that got on my nerves. In my class in five years, no. 
Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Because I have multiple friend teachers, and not that they talk badly about kids, so don't think that they do, but they've said, I mean, there are a couple that will stick with me for the rest of my life. I mean, I I have some, there were some difficult students, but none that were just so horrible that I just could not stand them. I have, I know kids now that I can't stand. (laughs) But teaching, I had difficult students and I had wonderful students and I had just middle of the road. Gotcha. Okay. So you were a teacher for five years, then you became a stay at home mom. Yep. And then within the last, however many years have you developed a side hustle? Um, let's see. It was right after my youngest was born and he's four. So I would say three and a half years. Okay. Three and a half years. So I I kind of want to go into a couple of things. Number one, what your side hustle is. And number two, how did you even get into it? Because right now, side hustles are a thing. Like if you go online, if you say you go to Pinterest and you're just looking up like what's trending as far as pins go, a lot of them talk about side hustles. People who either want to make um, an extra income or want to quit their day jobs in order to do something completely different than maybe they went to school for or that they have interest in or maybe they have a dream of doing something so what motivated your side hustle if especially since you had already been a stay-at-home mom for multiple years without a side hustle and then where did you hear about it I just got to the point where my kids were old enough that I felt like I could do something on the side to make some extra money either if, if just a couple hundred dollars extra a month to pay for preschool or you know, something I would like to buy or just, you know, I don't know, contribute slightly in the financial category. Sure. I really don't even remember the exact reason why I started, but, um, I came across a YouTube video of this guy selling coffee mugs on eBay. And I thought that seems kind of fun and interesting and different and easy. I do have to say going even before like my current side hustle, I did uh make scarves, like infinity scarves and sold them for a while. Um I forgot you did that. You I were just, always yeah. kind of your own like boss woman. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because I did go from teaching, which is very much on someone else's schedule and to just completely doing my own thing. Which is awesome that you just put yourself out there. But you're very much a, I mean, I, that's what I want people to understand. You're very much a creative. Your brain yeah. is constantly coming up with ideas. And whether or not you act on those ideas, they're there. Yeah. They're coming. Okay, so you have, the, you see someone selling coffee mugs on eBay and you think, okay, I can do that. So what did you start to do? I went out to a thrift store and bought coffee mugs. Okay, so it started with the coffee mugs. Yeah, okay, I, I, didn't I, know I bought like, probably like six or seven coffee mugs. I knew nothing about coffee mugs. If there is a, it's very specific like niche in selling and you have to know what you're doing. And I totally did not. So I kind of failed in that aspect. But uh, from there, I got introduced to a couple of other YouTubers that sold used clothing on eBay. And I just kind of watched a ton of different YouTube videos on brands to buy and how to buy and how to list and how to just basically sell on eBay. And I just ran with it. 
Okay, so you start going to the thrift stores, picking up specific brands, looking for things, and you say you list them. So you go home, you have, let's just say it's a great day at the thrift store. How many items do you have in your cart? Like today, I went to a local thrift store and they have a section in the back that where things are marked down to a dollar. That's where I hit up first. Okay. Because it's a dollar. And today I got 20 pieces at a dollar a piece. Um, I would say the best I've ever done is probably close to 50 pieces at a dollar a piece. That's probably, that's the most. Generally, it's between 20 and 30 pieces okay, each time so I you, go. You come home and you take pictures of them. My guess, you have a description. I only know, I know very little about eBay. I actually have never had an eBay account, if you can believe that or not. Um, I've never purchased anything off of eBay. I don't really know why. I'm not sure. My husband has, but I have not. So you come home, you take pictures of them, you have a description. My guess is you check prices based on something. Where do you get your information like this is how much this is worth? Well, to begin with, it was um, the YouTube videos. Like, okay, this is a good brand. This is how much you could sell it for. This is an okay brand. Don't spend more than a couple bucks on it. This is what you can sell it for. After doing it for three and a half years, 99% of the stuff I can just list without looking it up. But the only way, how I'm looking it up is using the eBay website and just looking, searching for similar items, same brand, same size, same kind of item and seeing what they've, what they're for sale for and then what they've sold for. Okay. So without specifics, how much like how much additional income is this bringing in for you a month? Obviously, it changes. It can mm-hmm. fluctuate between you know slow season, etc. But did this was is it more than you thought you could make selling things off of eBay? Oh yeah, um, not trying. And when I say not trying, I'm saying working probably twelve hours a week. I'm making more than half of what I was being a teacher. Wow. Yeah. That is insane. And have you found other eBay friends or other people that you are having this, you know, you can talk business with who are doing things like this? And are they local? Because you're the first person, I have to be honest, you're the first person I've ever known that said, yeah, my side hustle is selling things on eBay. I don't know anybody. I do follow people on Instagram. There's one girl, she lives in Colorado, but she is, was local. She used to live in the area. Um, But you know, what's funny is... um, the our the pastor that I grew up with in the the church I grew up with his wife actually does eBay which I did not know and so we kind of had that connection she does the same but she sells slightly different items than I do but same thing gosh that's so cool what a great way to be able to still stay home pick your own hours yeah all of those things and take care of your kids at the same time and when all three of our kids are full-time in school I at this point, I just plan to do what I'm doing more full time, which is still part time. You know, right. if I, I if I doubled the hours that I was working, I would still be part time, but making a full time wage. Wow, that is so cr- okay. So, any of you looking for a side hustle? Not that I want you to take Brandy's over for her. <laughs> she sells you know specific things, and you can sell other things. Look into selling on eBay. She's been really successful doing that. 
always, as always, you can always, um, you know, email us Instagram. If you have any questions about how she got started or you want more information, I'm sure she'd be more than happy to answer that stuff for you. And if you are someone who really likes social media and posting things and doing that kind of stuff, there is a, um, an app called Poshmark that is similar to eBay, but it is more social media driven where you're sharing your items. Um, it's kind of more user friendly when it comes to listing things. It's, it's um, for more. It's for younger people. Um, <laughs> what are you e- saying eBay, about us, Brandy? Well, no, eBay has a certain clientele. Like, and they there are certain brands that sell better on eBay than they do on Poshmark. And there's better brands, and it's usually um, higher end brands or just brands that younger people kind of attribute, like kind of. Go to. Yeah. I've heard of Poshmark. That one I have heard. Obviously, I've heard of eBay too. I just have never actually purchased anything off of eBay before. Um, Okay. So that's your side hustle, which is your also part-time job, but your full-time job taking care of the kids. Yes. Okay. So for me, I went to college and I graduated with a bachelor's degree in mass communications, in journalism and mass communications. So basically journalism. Um, not the broadcast side, which is obviously the side we're working on right yeah. now, uh, the other side of things. So I have really dabbled in so many different things. I've been an administrative assistant. I've worked on a proposal production team uh, where I sent out RFPs and things like that. I've worked with sales teams. I've pretty much done it all. And then a year ago, it was actually may have been exactly a year ago, I decided to walk away from working full time. And at that time, I was a manager of a clinic, a medical clinic. And when I took that job, I thought, man, this will be so challenging, but I'm up for a challenge. It will be so wonderful to do something new and different. And right after I took that job, my mom got diagnosed with cancer. And so that kind of blew everything up in my life. And really the job saved me because it gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning to um to know that I had other people who were counting on me etc but at the end of the day once my mom passed away a short three weeks later after she was diagnosed it was too much just having that many people needing me being on call worrying about staffing issues and just things that I just could not worry about at the time it was just too much for me I decided you know what, I'm going to take a break. I had never quit a job before I had another one. It was the scariest thing I've ever done in my lifetime because I'm a planner. I do not do things off the cuff. I have to know where my next paycheck is coming from. But my husband was 100% behind me and he's like, just do it. Just do it. We'll figure it out. It'll all work out. And so I did. I quit my job and I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a wonderful summer of not working and then a couple weeks later a friend said hey my job's hiring for this part-time gig it sounds like something you would be good at and so that's what I do now so currently I work for a uh, software company and I work as a customer success support person it is nine to three I get to take my kids to school every day pick them up every day and it's truly the best of both worlds because I like the people I work with I love my hours and my husband is completely cool with me working part-time and we can afford it. A few years ago, this would have not been possible, but we 
are in a better place and it's been a godsend. With that said, I've also worked at places I did not like. And most of the time, I think when people complain about their jobs, the number one thing they complain about is their coworkers. Yeah. And it is rough because I have definitely quit jobs because I didn't like who I worked with. It was nothing about the actual job itself. So when you think back to being a teacher, or even jobs you had when you were younger, and you think about coworkers, it's different now because <laughs> your, your employer are your kids. Yeah. So that's different now. But when you think about the jobs that you had before and your coworkers, what are things that just drive you bonkers? about coworkers are working in, you know, out of the house. Well, I pretty much dislike most people. <laughs> that is not true. Most people get on my nerves, which yeah, is but they don't know it. So that's okay, so I should say I that do... may be true, but you have a good poker face. You're such a nice per- I don't want people to think, "Oh my gosh, she sounds like she's rude." She's not. She's like the nicest person ever. She just may be thinking it. In her head. And I'm pretty sure I get on people's nerves. I'm not everybody's t- cup of tea either. Um, since I'm such like a an introvert or just someone who's just kind of relaxed and chill, people who are over the top drive me nuts. Either over the top know-it-alls, over the top managers, over the top just in general. Right. Like people who are way into enthusiastic way too like in everybody's business just people that are too much I get I complete I get it and it's so funny because I had to think about this I was I was listening to other friends talk about their co-workers and I was like oh my gosh I remember feeling that way it's so different for me now because number one I work part-time and number two I work with mostly people who are older so it's just different they're not always on their cell phones they're not always shopping on target they're not doing stuff like that that just irks me uh-huh but when i think about the coworkers i have had that were just soul sucking humans they were complainers yeah. they were people who pushed things off on someone else it was never their fault they had an excuse for everything and they expected special treatment that yeah irritated me beyond belief because again I worked for many years full-time with kids I get what it's like when they're sick or when they have a school program that you want to go to all of those things I understand and there's a way to go about those things but I swear I worked with some of the most ungrateful people and they always thought they should get a pass for everything I hate people like that in just regular life too right I just think that the world revolves around them and everybody wants to hear their sob story about their you know kid having strep throat and how life is so hard and on and on. Yes, because life is hard for everyone. Whether you are married or single or not, you have things that are happening. You have family members who are sick. Maybe it's you're taking care of your mom. Maybe you're taking care of your dog that's dying. Whatever the issue is. And I don't care. I am a sympathetic person. I really am. But I hated how there were always those people in jobs that felt like 
they were superior to everyone else. And like it didn't their ma- stuff, their problems were way bigger yes. and way more important. And it didn't matter if they were there longer, if they were at the company longer, if they were newer. It didn't matter. They just always were inherently selfish people. And I had to tell myself, as much as they drove me crazy working with them, can you imagine them in your personal life? No. They wouldn't be in my personal no, life. No, you have I was to cut them out. To them. You'd have to cut them out because it drags you down. And I'm telling our listeners right now, you know who we're talking about. You all know people like this. If you can help it at this point in your life, start cutting them out. It sounds so terrible, but there were many times with specific people I had a history with and I thought, but I know their family or we've been friends for 10 years. Their crap bogged me down. Yeah. Like, it made me feel bad. I was taking on their problems, making them my problems, trying to figure out how to help them. And as soon as I got out those scissors and I started just cutting, 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 I found myself so much happier, so much more carefree, and able to give the time and the energy to people who actually matter. Yeah. There's just no reason to be that unhappy. I have a special talent for ignoring annoying people. And I, I probably I, that I, <laughs> I probably come off as super rude, but to the those people I don't I just don't care. Like I it's just it's a talent I have. I'm proud of it. I can But did you always have it or did it come with age? Because I'm better about it now. In my thirties, I am way better about saying I don't care who talks about me after I say this, it is what it is, than I was back then. In my 20s, even though I said, oh, I don't care, I don't care, I 100% cared. I've always been good at like walling myself away. (laughs) Okay, I'm not, I have not been good at that. I think I've been someone who likes to save other people or feel like I can, like I can, I'm the one person who can make them see the light. Yeah. And I have spent, I've struck out so many times with people because I couldn't get through that, get that through my thick head. Like oh. I thought for sure I could save them. I have a special move and it, when somebody is talking to you and they're just unloading their crap on you and you're like, I just can't, like, I don't want to know what your husband said or did. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I just don't no, want to know, know all your stuff. Like, you know, there's just people that overshare yep. and like to pile their crap on you. I'm very, very good at you nod and smile and you walk backwards at the same time. <laughs> that's that's the escape move. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm very be... good at it. Although, and after a while they learn just not to come with you with that stuff. And sometimes part of me feels bad that I'm not Engaging. a sympathetic, caring person that wants to hear all your stuff. But I have anxiety. And so your problems become my problems and I don't need any more problems. That's, that is exactly why I need to be more like you though. And so I didn't mention it before, but I 100% have anxiety. I've had it since I was a kid. I can pinpoint exactly where it came from and it was nothing traumatic. Like I can tell you the mo- the moment it happened to me and it's never left. And we can save all of our anxiety talk for That's a, like a, a whole episode. Oh gosh. A com- <laughs> yeah, stick with us, y'all, because we will be able to unload some stuff onto you guys. But that's me too. And that's the reason why in my 30s I have I have forced myself to get better about not taking on other people's problems because I would be up at night worrying for them. Well, it's I not would like be. I can't do anything about some of my problems. So how why is worrying about their problems? 
I mean, it's not going to, I can't do anything. You're absolutely so, right. So, like, can't. when they're sitting there telling me about how their neighbor's daughter's son has this horrible thing going on. No. There, there are people that love that stuff. That love to hear other people's drama. That love to help people. That love to, you know, be that shoulder to cry on. And the person that's so sympathetic. And the one that is everything to everyone. I'm not that person. Like I, 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 I have to, I, I know me and I can only be everything to a couple of people. Yeah. But I think that's most people. They just don't realize it. And this is what I'll say. Sometimes I set myself up for it because I will start to ask questions. I, this is my, my mojo. This is the kind of person I am. I try to include everyone. And when I say that, I don't mean by becoming their best friends, by inviting them to my house. That's not what I mean. I mean, if we're at work and we're, you know, a few of us are going to go to lunch, but not everybody, but then there's the new person. Oh, well, they think we're being so mean by not inviting them to lunch. So then I start to feel guilty about it. And before I invite them, I try to feel them out, right? Like, yeah. oh, do you go home for lunch? Or, you know, what do you pack a lunch? I start having these conversations. Before I know it, I'm fully sucked in until I realize they're the person that brings fish to work and heats it up and then I'm stuck because I had a conversation with them about lunch so now they think "Mm, maybe she's gonna invite me too and the other people are like anyone who brings fish for lunch is rude and they shouldn't do that why do people do that though why do people bring stinky things for lunch like and here's my thing with doing that if you have a cafeteria and it's big and it's open you bring whatever you want to for lunch if you have a break room that is the size of this small bedroom that we are in right now, that's our podcast room, you don't do that stuff. It's rude. You don't bring your shellfish and your stinky tuna. You don't pop a, popcorn in the microwave. We used to have a, a lady that we called the tuna lady at Ugh, work because gross. she brought tuna every day. And what made it Ugh. so much more disgusting, not even just the fact that she brought it and that she made it, but she had all of her other things that she mixed in with it. And you couldn't even make your own lunch without seeing or smelling hers. And it made you want to vomit every single day. Yeah. Like this is why gross. people end up being closed off at work you think they're being rude no because when they open themselves up they get trapped with the tuna lady i do have to say i do have a soft spot for weirdos (laughs) (laughs) like just the people because i know what it feels like when you know a group of people go out to lunch and that you know they invite certain people and you're the one not getting invited. Like, I know how that feels. So I do have a soft spot. But as soon as you show your true co- colors that you're just, like, like a certain kind of weirdo. <laughs> or that you're, you, whatever. You know, that you're stuck up or just. Judgy. Or, yes, mm-hmm. anything. Yes, if you're, yeah. If I catch you not washing your hands in the bathroom. Oh, no. It's over between us. Like, it's a, especially like if it, it's a public it's a public bathroom. It's a public bathroom. You I see your shoes. Ooh. I see your shoes, Becky. Like no. That's not okay. And the, and then okay. So I obviously don't go out a lot because I'm at home all the time. So I only have a couple of resources to pull from, like stories to pull from currently. But if you're at church and you don't wash your hands, you expect me to shake your hand during no. handshaking time? No, that's um, a sin. No, <laughs> in my like, eyes, that's a sin. Sorry, 
That's disgusting. But, okay, bathrooms in general, I mean, we can talk bathrooms in general, but specifically at work because I am on a, so we have a suite on a floor. Uh So the entire floor shares a bathroom. So there's Uh three stalls, two regular stalls, one handicapped stall, two sinks. No big deal. Usually when I go in there, I'm the only one in there. I don't know why in the world at my age and most of the people that work in this building are older than me. Why I still have to flush someone else's stuff down the toilet when I enter. What? No. Why? Do you not? Maybe I'm weird. This is me. No. Andrea goes into the stall, locks the door, pulls down her pants, does her business, pulls up her pants, turns around, flushes it, and watches everything in the bowl go down. Yes. Every single time. Every time. Am I weird? Does not everybody do that? That's not weird. That's normal. And if it does, here's if that's not normal, then I would rather be weird. Me too. Here's the next thing. If it doesn't all go down the toilet, guess what I do? Flush it again. Flush it again. I'm just gonna walk out and leave it. I have walked in on some of the most incredibly heinous things I've ever seen in my entire life, (laughs) and I think to myself, this came out of a woman. First of all. Is she still breathing? Because yeah. it looks like a bomb went off. <laughs> Not good. And number two, I think to myself, you're supposed to be the cleaner species, right? You're supposed to be the cleaner gender. Why are we still having a problem with this? If you're one of those people, and Lord, ugh, love you. If you're one of the people who use the toilet seat covers, I am talking to you. Please listen very, very carefully. You are so concerned about germs on the seat. I get it. Whose butt has sat there before you? I get it. I'm on your level. Here's the problem. If you leave the toilet seat cover on the toilet and walk out, it's half dipped into the pee that is inside of the toilet and you leave it there, how is that any cleaner than just sticking your butt on the toilet in the first place? Yeah, no, you're, you're more than half of the problem. Yes, and then... You expect somebody to clean it up. First of all, number one, it's not me because that's not my job. But number two, even the people who are paid to clean the bathroom, that's not their job either. No. Flush everything down the toilet unless it is a feminine product and then put it in the trash can. Other than that, why do we still have these problems? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. And also, maybe it's just me too, but is it a cardinal rule if you're not handicapped, can you use the handicap stall? Okay. I was hoping you were going to bring this up because, and I hate to rep, like talk about another podcast on our podcast, but one of my very favorite podcasts, Jonathan Weir Show, who is local, he just last week talked about him having an emergency and they talked about going into the handicap stall. He had an, a bathroom emergency, ran into the bathroom, and both of the regular stalls were locked. And the handicap one was open. I feel like in that situation, if it's the only one, you go in it. If you're going to poop your pants, you go in the handicap stall, right? It was worse because, so everybody agreed, like, that's okay. Like, that's fine. don't tell me a handicap person (laughs) came in. No, 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 I'm uncomfortable. He said he was sitting there and the wheels, like, (gasps) rolled up to the door. No. So instead of, like, quickly finishing and getting out of there because the other two people who were in the other stalls had vacated. Mm-hmm. So it looked like that he, he chose that one. Yes. Oh, and no. so instead my of, biggest fear, honestly, my yes. biggest fear being in there. So instead of 
getting out and being like apologizing, he sat in there for several minutes he until did not wait him out. Yes. No. It was no. okay, so this was last week's episode. So if you just look at this, go back and listen to it. It okay. is the funniest thing. Okay, but okay, you brought up a really good point, but my point's worse than that because he had an emergency. Yeah. For me, I thought it was public knowledge that if you're a woman and you have to poop at work, first of all, not a good place to be in, but it happens, yeah. right? I feel that the handicapped stall is the pooping stall. Because it's then... It's more room. Because there's... For multiple reasons. Number one, yes, more room. You you feel like you're a little bit secluded from the other people. What if someone comes in and is doing their hair or washing their hands? Yeah. Then they're at the sink. So you're the furthest away from them and maybe the smell is the furthest away. So I've always considered the handicapped stall being the pooping stall. Some people laugh at that and say, I don't know what you're talking about. And then other people say, I'm with you. I 100%. If I have to go poop in the in at work... Number one, there's probably a pooping bathroom. Like, there's a certain floor that everybody does it on. I mean, I know people who've said that before. But to me, if I have to poop at work, it's going to be in the handicap stall. My biggest fear is exactly what you just talked about. And I don't know what I would do if that happened to me. Uh, I feel like, though, it, at, a, at a work situation, especially if you, like you said, it's just your bathroom is on your floor and you kind of, I think you would kind of know, even if there's more than one business on that floor, you would know who works there I think you would know if there was somebody who needed like legitimately needed for sure and I've never seen anyone at all in a wheelchair or a walker or anything I just feel like that's I I'm trying to do a service to the other women and say let's we all poop yeah like it's nothing to be embarrassed about but how about like if there's gonna be toilet bowl streaks like how about just one toilet bowl yeah. I don't know. I just thought I was doing a service. I, I'm bad about the handicap. I will, especially at our local YMCA, I will choose that one every single time. And there's a lot of old people at the time I go. Yeah, see. But I do. none of them mm. are in walkers or wheelchairs. Like, okay. they're just old. Okay. And if I have my kids with me, if I'm somewhere with my kids, For like sure. young kids that I need to take in with me, I'm going to choose that one every single time. And yep. then if there's somebody handicapped, which has happened, I think, once in my entire life, I'm just going to apologize and usher my kid out. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't I think it's it that happens. big of a deal. Okay, good. I felt I have felt bad about it before, not because anybody was waiting on me or anything like that, but I also felt like maybe some people were just judging me for using that stall in the I first place. I feel like place. people judge me all the time. They're not. They don't even care. Yeah, I mean, unless true. they say something to you. But I also, okay, going back to... Obviously, coworkers. That's part of the problem too. Is that you feel if, especially if you're on a team. If yeah. you are on a team, oh my god, I have a hard time because I'm I am a team player and I I can work with anybody. Really, I'm pretty good at it. But why, why, why is there always one bad apple? Just blows the <laughs> place up. Everybody gets along, and then. It's just one bad apple, and that person gets in everybody's head and ends up being the ringleader, and, and you don't know why because there's seven normal, wonderful people, one bad person, and they ruin everything every single time. I went to, I had a job, I'm not kidding you when I say this, where every single month we did birthday lunch, team birthday lunch. Uh-huh. So if all of the June birthdays 
we would celebrate one day a month and the June birthday people would pick a restaurant. Uh-huh. My birthday month is May and me and another girl on the team, we were choosing what to do. Well, I knew she liked Mexican food and I love Mexican food. So I suggested a local me- Mexican restaurant. So I thought everything was good because I know she has mentioned before that she's gone there. I thought everything was fine. I was not prepared for what happened next. Another co-worker comes up to me in my cube and says, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Sure. But she motions me over into a conference room. Oh, And I'm like, what happened? And you know what I was really thinking? Maybe one of my instant messages that I wrote about this person got back to her. Oh, no. (laughs) This could be bad. So she pulls me in there and she's like, hey, I just want to let you know on the birthday lunch, is there any way we could change it to somewhere else? And I was like, okay, why? Because it's me and her and I'm going to call her Susie. It's me and Susie's birthday and we both really like that place. Is someone allergic or, you know, what's the reasoning? She said, well... She doesn't have a lot of willpower and she is afraid that she won't be able to keep from eating too many chips at lunch. And I thought she was kidding. Oh my god. And I start like belly laughing. I'm like, yeah, me too. Like, oh, you know, whatever. Uh And she looks at me dead faced and she's like, I'm being serious. Like, does she have, is she allergic to chips? Well, I don't understand. Yeah. She's like, oh, I thought you knew nope still don't understand she's like remember last week when we brought in the cookies and you caught her smelling them yeah i thought that was weird yeah it's because she suffered from an eating disorder and so she smells the food but doesn't actually eat it okay is that does, still an eating disorder what does this You're have to food? do with me picking the Mexican restaurant. She's been there. I've heard her talk about it. So again, I've if you've suffered from an eating disorder, I'm not making fun of you. I'm confused by this conversation that yeah, I'm having. That doesn't it make doesn't no make sense. any sense. And so she's like, well, she really does like that restaurant, but she only goes like once a year because she just can't stop eating the chips and they're not on her dietary plan. Okay, so we all have to pick a different restaurant because she can't stop eating the chips. This is what this is what you're telling me. So finally, I'm so sick of this conversation. I can't believe it's happening. And I just say, you know what? Just have her pick somewhere new. And I also think it's ridiculous that you're both adults and she sent you to yeah. ask me. This whole thing. What are we, 12? Is so stupid. So I said, fine, pick a different restaurant. So we do. We pick a restaurant that I don't like, but I just go with it because I don't care. Do you know that on the day of our team lunch, she did not go? Oh, my gosh. I I'm mad for you to kill someone. I was so first of all, it is in my blood to eat tortilla chips. Oh yeah. It's a part of who I am. Yep. It is legitimately on my dietary needs. It yes. makes me who I am. Uh-huh. You took that away from me yeah. and then you didn't show up. That's rude. So this whole big argument that we had was for no reason whatsoever. I was the newest one on the team at the time, so I completely went with it. I felt bad that I didn't know anything about her eating disorder. Then I thought to myself, how would I know? It's not like people just talk about that. That's like me walking into a room and everybody saying, oh, yeah, that's the girl whose mom died. Nobody does that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So then you have people like that where they're the exception to the rule. Where they are the the ones that you have to work 
all the way around them because they are going to get, for lack of a better word, butthurt. Yeah. I don't do butthurt. I don't care. It's yeah. not my problem. And if you have a, a problem with someone on your team or someone in general, why can't you go directly to that person and talk to them? But we're talking about 40-year-old women. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But they always, that's why I don't like team building things. As much as I liked being part of a team, every time we did anything team building wise, there'd be something stupid like this. 10 years ago, I would have, if I was in your situation, I probably would not have said anything. I would just been pissed off and told someone else like I'm so mad. That's exactly how I handled it. I feel like today I would have, I would I would at least say, whoever was the messenger, I would have at least said, well, that's, you know, bullcrap. Like, okay, fine. And then her not showing up, I would have got, I think, I I would like to say, I would go to her and just been like, that wasn't okay. Like, we moved that. Like, what? Well, why didn't you show up? It or, or even more, just nonchalantly, like, hey, we missed you at the lunch right. yesterday. Where were you? Oh, I am so glad you brought that up. Because that's probably what I wanted to do because I wanted to be passive aggressive. Uh-huh. Here's the problem with that. I despise passive aggressive. No, I work. do too. At, especially at work. Yeah. Because I am not kidding you. This happened to me. I went home. I worked really close to my job. I went home this one time for lunch. I went home every day for lunch. I came back and we have an AIM system, an instant message system. It wasn't AIM, but it was an instant message system. So it would show when people were away. Uh-huh. I was gone for 61 minutes. It said that on my thing. <laughs> 61 minutes. I had a coworker, no lie, come to my cubicle. First of all, cubicles are the devil. Come to my cubicle, sit on my desk in front of me, and say in the most passive aggressive tone so you decided to take a long lunch today huh oh my gosh and i looked at her and i was confused i was like no i just took an hour she's like oh it says you've been away for longer than that and she leaves so i get on my computer and it says 61 minutes one minute over are you outside your mind this is when i want to scream stay in your lane People who have nothing else at work to do but worry about you, yeah. how are you getting anything done and why are yeah. you getting paid? No I kidding. don't understand it. That's but crazy. But she was so unhappy in her own personal life, she had to bring that to work. And that's the that's what I wanted to really say about coworkers. Most of these people who are making you miserable at work, they're miserable every second they are breathing. Yeah. So really, say a prayer for them or just brush them off because it's not worth... I used to get so upset, so heated about these things and would vent about them and come home and tell my husband about how ridiculous it was. And now I look at it and I just feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him that they had nothing else to do except for monitor how long my freaking lunch was. Yeah, that's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't have any really good coworker stories, mainly because for the last eight years I've been at home, and my husband is um, a sales rep, so he is not in an office, so he doesn't he's not doing with the off, dealing with the office drama or any of the. I mean, he has like a team, and but he, if he doesn't want to talk to those people, he doesn't have to talk to them. Like he just doesn't answer their phone call. Right. Right. So, but and I will say this too: for men, it's different. Men yeah. do not have to deal with the same things women do in the workplace. I mean, 
small things, things that would be no big deal. For me, in the summer, I have to wear winter clothes in the summer to my office because it's so cold there all the time. I have a blanket and I have a heater, a space heater. I need gloves because my hands, I can't feel them at the end of the day because it's so cold. Men are naturally always hot. So they don't have to deal with things like that. And they really don't get roped into drama. Hardly ever have I ever heard my husband say, oh my gosh, so these ladies were fighting. They came (laughs) to me. They told me what happened. And then I chose a side. I mean, that's laughable. He would be like, yeah, no, this is not happening. I do have to say, um, my husband has had, the only issues that he has had have been with, and I know our listeners are going to be kind of pissed off, but it's because he's had certain women managers. And I think just there, I feel like, and we've, my husband and I have had this conversation. There's two types of women in management or in power positions. It's either the women that are like perfect for that position. They're cool. They're good managers. They know what they're doing. And then there's the other side that are the women are that are on power trips. I mean, men, there's men that way also, but the women that are on power trips, the women who try to act like one of the guys, but then if you treat her like one of the guys, it's bad news. Right. Like there's, I know, I know exactly the type of people you're talking about for sure. And that I, that's the only problem that he has really had to deal with was a difficult manager. And it had, it, I, I hate to say it, but it had to do because she was a woman and she just was not right for that position. Right. It just stinks so bad too because there are so many times where you, you know, either apply for a, a position that's maybe a, a manager or a, a supervisor or some type of role like that and you know that you deserve it, but the person who gets it, like their family's really good friends with yeah. the other boss or you know, they hooked them up with whatever it was. And it just sucks because you want to tell yourself that's not happening. You want to say it's not because of that. It's because that person is better for the job. And a lot of times it'll either, it'll either work out and they'll be wonderful in that position. And you'll think, oh, there's a reason why they got it, which has happened to me before. And other times, more times than not, that person's asking you questions. They're Uh asking you how to do something. They're asking you how to navigate. And you're thinking, I don't get paid for this. Yeah. You wanted this job. You wanted this responsibility. And as much as I'm a team player, I'm not willing to do your work for you. That's not going to happen. And I don't want it, I don't want it to make it sound like I don't think women can be managers. No. Like my husband has a woman manager now and she's wonderful. He's just had a really, really bad one. And so, like, it just, I mean, and it could be a man in the same, oh, it's the same thing. But I think in his position, him being a man, and he, like, when he interviews, it's way easier for him to judge a manager that's a male and be like, yes, I can work for him. No, I can't. And in the, in the, the, the female manager that he had that was horrible, he just could not judge her. And I right. think that was the problem. And he even asked me, and what am I supposed to say? Like, well... She seems pretty high maintenance. Like, this does not seem like a somebody you would want to work for. Right. But at that time, I couldn't just... I mean, like, I could delicately tell him that, but it turned out to be a train wreck. But then his manager right now is a female. Wonderful. 
Yeah, you just never know what you're going to get, truly. And even the times when I had petty coworkers, our manager, so it was mostly a team of women. There was a couple of guys, and our manager was a male. And his way of dealing with the pettiness was not dealing with it at all. And that made me mad. Yeah. Because you, you're you watching it happen. You see it. I you feel like that's it. part of your job as a manager. Absolutely. And I can't tell you, I mean... I could tell you how many uncomfortable conversations I had to have in one year of being a manager. It's not fun. It sucks really bad to tell people that they have to go home because their clothes are not appropriate. It sucks to tell them that someone called and made a complaint against them. It sucks because you don't want to take the wind out of anyone's sails, even if they deserve it. It is a very hard thing to do at the same time. If you don't like confrontation, you should never be a manager because you are going to have to do it. Well, and just because you're a man does not mean you, and you're a manager, does not mean you can't get into the drama or oh, you yeah. shouldn't. Like, no. You have to get in the weeds whether yeah. you like it or not. Yeah. Absolutely. That whole thing of, you know, mean girls mentality. And I know our listeners who are mostly female are listening to this and they're nodding their heads like I absolutely had a bad bad egg at my job or I do right now. You know what we're talking about and you know how once you start to dread what you do, like going to work, you dread the night before, say it's 7 p.m. and you're thinking, I only have three more hours until I go to sleep and then I'm going to wake up and I have to go to work. If you're at that point, this is what I would tell you. Find a different job. Or come up with a plan of how to make it better. Go to your manager about this situation. Because I used to do that. I used to be in knots the night before thinking about going to jobs that I hated so much. But not because of my job. Because of my coworker. And it is absolutely. I know you got to pay your bills. Everybody's got to eat. But it is not worth it to keep making excuses and hope for the best because the truth of the matter is the best is not going to happen. What's happening now is going to continue to happen until you say no more. My last year of teaching, I kind of had an ultimatum with myself. And I said I was either going to get pregnant and stay at home or I was going to find something different because I was just done. And it mainly had to do with our principal and the district I was working in, but mainly the principal. And it makes a big deal. It makes a big difference. If you do not like the people you work with, you've got to find something else. I have been there. It sucks. I mean, there were places where I was, I really liked my job. I saw a potential. I I saw a growth potential. I, I don't know. I felt like I was really honest about where I wanted to go in the company. And I couldn't get there fast enough to endure the mean girls. I just couldn't do it. I had no... I just had no care in the world for trying to deal with that or sort that out. So you brought up a really good point about, you know, giving yourself this ultimatum. So today, here you are, if money and if failure and if location, nothing at all was in your way right now and you could pick your job, this is what I want to do for a living and you know I cannot fail and I will not be broke, what would you do? Probably what I'm doing now. Okay, that's awesome. Well, I mean, when I was young, I always said I wanted to either be a teacher or a mom. And so I've done both of those things. And people ask me all the time, are you going to go back to teaching? Uh, No. No. Never. No. I'd have to go and get my master's. And that's just, like, financially, it's not worth it. I'm in elementary education. So me getting my master's, it's just not financially 
If you don't know how much teachers make, you should look it up. And don't it's try so to give sad. me the BS about, oh, they, they have get three months off. off. I, am, I no, get sick of that it's too. like six weeks off. Yeah. And no. a lot of jobs, like my husband has three or four weeks off for work. So it's not, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. If you think it's just this easy cakewalk, you need to rethink that. And you need to appreciate your kids' teachers because it's not... I mean, they're having to deal with your kids times 25 Amen. every single I day. I have one of each of mine at whatever grade that they're in, and I cannot tell you. There are days where I see them for two hours, and that entire two hours they made me crazy. So I can't imagine what they were like at school that day. And really, the kids are not the reason why I would not go back to the teaching. Parents, huh? Well, the parents? Tell me it's not the parents. We tried. No, I'm just kidding. No, just kidding. see, I was in a Title I building. It was a lower income, so the parents were busy working. They were trying to feed their kids. So we didn't, I mean, it really wasn't. It was just the amount of paperwork involved. I'm I'm not huge on paperwork. I'm big on, like, relationships with the kids. So My thing just isn't was, even, I mean, I'm not a teacher, but for me, as a parent, I look at it and I think we are driving home these standardized tests yes yeah that was over and and i know it's not i should say this too because you were a teacher and because maybe teachers out there are listening i know teachers are not making this choice you're not saying hey i really want to do week long map testing i know it's not you and i know you get frustrated with it too as a parent i am so much more concerned about my kid having a well-rounded upbringing, including getting a good education, but also being able to survive the world. You're teaching these things that some people will use and some people won't. I care more about the fact that my kid knows how much it costs to live on his own than to get this wonderful map test score. And and we've just, we've gone so far off the deep end in my opinion about testing these kids and even when they hear the word test my daughter who is nine she gets stomach aches thinking about doing the week-long testing yeah what if she's not good enough what if every what if everybody else scores higher than her what if she can't remember what if she runs out of time okay let's not perpetuate anxiety in our children by testing them every few weeks on different things it just seems ridiculous and if i was being honest 95 percent of why i left had to do with the testing that they did wow week week two the our principal was like okay you need to start doing test taking strategies and practice tests week two of school that's insane like forget creating a relationship with your class and setting up expectations and doing fun things and wanting and having them want to come to school Let's just make sure where they can take a multiple choice quiz. Start those test taking strategies. That makes me sad. That yeah. makes me sad for teachers. It makes me sad for kids. It makes me sad for parents because I know that we had some type of testing when I was younger because I can kind of remember. Yeah. But it was not the driving force of school. No. And I remember loving school. I remember not oh, yeah. being able to sleep the night before school started because I was so excited to be able to label all of my stuff, all of my supplies, see who is in my class, and just start out a wonderful year. And I feel like our kids go to school with so much more dread than I ever did when I was a kid. Well, and that's why I became a teacher, because I loved school growing up so much. Are there going to be teachers in 20 years? Gosh, I because hope so. Because who, who likes to go to school? 
I know. I hope so. And everything is much younger. I mean, our kids now, I get technology. I understand it's different than it was when we grew up, but they're working on electronic devices as early as preschool. It's, yeah. They're doing those things. My third grader was doing a PowerPoint project. I mean, I never was doing those things at that age. Of course, it was a different time. I understand that. But I feel like even their spelling words, some of her spelling words, I wouldn't be able to spell without studying. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't what I don't know what the point is. Is it because you want her to be a spelling bee champion? It's because you feel like at a third grade level she needs to know how to spell that word. But it doesn't make much sense to me. I'm, when I'm looking at these things, I don't understand how her being able to spell a word that's obnoxious. Not not the word obnoxious, but it has so many different phonetic spellings. Yeah. Why why that? Why are we why are we spending our time doing that kind of stuff? And then saying, hey, you know what, maybe maybe people don't need to take a foreign language or maybe they don't need to play an instrument. We should take music or art or no. Yeah. Let people express themselves. Let them do, do let them do something fun if you're going to be constantly harping on them about making good enough test scores. Like let's let's cut out science and social studies for more right. reading and writing. Yes. And, although I mean obviously reading is super important. Very important. But it comes to the point wouldn't you rather them enjoy it and want to continue to do reading yes. and writing? And I have two kids upstairs who do not like to read. And mm-hmm. I can tell you the reason why. It's not because reading isn't fun. It's because they were forced to do so much of it so early. Yeah. It was never, my kids have never had the option of picking up a book because it sounds like a fun thing to do. It has always been I have a book report. I have a report for this. I have to read so many minutes for my reading long. It has, they have sucked the fun out of what it means to be a reader. Yeah. And it really sucks. Yeah. Our oldest is not a very good reader. He's a little bit behind in reading. And so the teachers are always like, he needs to be reading this many minutes. And we're putting him in this reading group and just like harping on me to force it. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously... We do reading at home. I read to him. He reads to me. He does practice. But he likes reading. So I feel like that's a win. That is a bigger win than you will ever know. Because here coming soon, he'll have a monthly book report. That stuff, I cannot even tell you. My kid dreads that. She hates it. She does not like to do things like that. But if he loves to read, naturally you become better at things you love to do on your own. Yeah, because you like to do it. You're going to do it. For, it's like it's like a job. If you find a job that you love to do, it seems less like work. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way that it is. So for you, you would still be a stay-at-home mom. For me, if failure, money, location was not... If none of those things would affect me in my life, I would 100% be an author. I would write a book. And Ooh, I still yeah. want to. I still, I have always had it in me that I want to write a book. I've never been able to hone in enough on what it would be about. Okay, that was my question. Like what? What I, kind and of? Not, like a novel not be, or nonfiction? No, it wouldn't or? be. Uh, it would not be fiction. It would be nonfiction. Okay. But I don't know what it would be about. I don't know. At first, I, I always thought I would write a book on what it was like to grow up with anxiety because I didn't know what it was called when I was younger. Now I know what it is, those feelings and... Um, I also have a daughter who's experienced it and it's a really hard thing to understand when you're a kid because so many people want answers. I can't even tell you, and again, we'll get into it later on in a different podcast, but I can't tell you how many times my parents asked me why, 
why are you anxious? Why are you scared? Why are you crying? And the only thing I could say was, I don't know. And it wasn't because I didn't want to tell the truth. It's because I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what it was called. So I always thought I would do something like that. And really my vision was to write this book, to put it out there, to be on the New York sellers best list, and then to go around to schools starting as young as elementary school and explain that anxiety is something that happens to so many people and probably a lot of your peers who are right next to you go through this every single day and it is normal. You're not alone. You don't need to feel bad. You are not less than. There's not something wrong with you. If I could tell anyone, if I could tell my old self anything, it would be nothing is wrong with you. It just happened. You didn't ask for it. You didn't do anything to warrant it but you will get through it and here are the ways that you're going to do it. And I felt, I feel like maybe if I would write a book and then be able to go on this school tour, like I have big thoughts in my brain, but I never know how to hone in on how to go about them. Yeah. Which so, is kind of like this podcast. I mean, oh, we've talked about exactly, it This forever. is a dream. This is a dream come true. We Our first episode, you guys, has, I think when I looked last time, had 121 listens, 121 plays. That is a victory for me. Yeah. Like that is amazing. We have talked about this for so long and we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. We have we didn't study. We don't go through and say this is what I'm going to say and then you'll say this. It is truly a conversation. We are sitting here looking at each other, having a conversation like we would if we were sitting on the couch. And we are definitely not audio technicians. That's why Oh my gosh, not <laughs> episode, audio technicians. Episode 2 sounds so bad. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Exactly. So I don't know. I just feel like so many things about our job we take with us every single day. So if you hate it, you bring it home. If you love it, you bring it home. But we should never stop dreaming about things that make us happy. So So even at 33, a podcast makes me happy. I love to do it. It doesn't seem like work. Even though I will be honest, planning for this podcast, going through notes and audio issues and things like that. This is way bigger of a deal than I ever thought it would be. Yeah. Ever. But it doesn't bother me because I love it so much. I'm doing something I love to do. So did you want to be an author like when you were little? Like what did you want to be growing up? Like when I was little, I wanted to have a TV show. And what's funny is I ended up like I wanted to be the next Ellen. I wanted to interview people. I wanted to interview celebrities. I thought maybe I would be like the next Juliana Rancic on E! News and nothing hard hitting by any means. (laughs) But it's funny because once I was in college and I chose journalism, I chose the exact opposite of what I always dreamed for myself. I could have done broadcasting. I could have done TV, radio, etc., which is probably what I wanted to do. Uh But there was a few reasons why I didn't. Number one, the thought of being on a camera just scared the poop out of me. Yeah. Because I had a lot of, and still to this day, have a lot of self-confidence issues. And even imagining myself on a TV and, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds. I don't have 10 pounds to spare. Like, I legit would not be able to stand what I would look like on a camera. So that was part of it. The other part of it was fear of failure. If I go into broadcasting and no one hires me on a radio and no one hires me on a TV show, what am I going to do with my life? And I couldn't handle that. I already had a child. By the time I graduated, my first child was two and a half years old. 
I didn't have the luxury of being able to fail. I had to be a success right away because my husband had already sacrificed his schooling to work full time to support us while I went to school full time to get my degree. And I abs and my parents, of course, helped us so much. I could not let anyone else down and I couldn't borrow money. Like that was my thing. I can't let you down. I can't borrow money. So I went into the side of journalism where I knew at the very least I would be able to make decent money when I graduated. So I completely let all of my dreams just up in smoke. But now we can have new dreams. Now we have, oh my gosh. And I feel like that's that's important for people to know. Like even though you didn't, if you didn't fulfill your dream, like your original dreams, you can always reinvent yourself and start you know what I Any tell day. you know what I tell people I tell people all of the statistics I heard like do you, did you know that Vera Wang did not design her first wedding dress until she was 40 years old Wow Vera Wang y'all everybody knows Vera Wang yeah. like whether or not you're into wedding dresses or not or design or fashion whatever so many people they fulfilled their dreams later in life but it doesn't matter they did it and uh-huh. so for me that's how I feel one day I will be an author whether or not I'm on the New York's bestsellers list I have no idea but I am going to write a book one day like we are going to do the things as long as you just keep trying and you don't completely give up on it or change your dream that's fine too sometimes you have a dream and then you realize you know what that's not was what was meant for me I'm going to do something different just whatever it is no matter where you are in life kids single married divorced whatever it is still keep your dreams in mind and do whatever you can do financially and, um, you know, mentally and physically to be able to reach them because there's no reason to stop dreaming. <laughs> you just have to believe in yourself. You really do. And, you know, I think we need to treat ourselves the way that we would treat other people. If one of my sisters told me, hey, I've always dreamed of writing a book, I would never start laughing. I would say, oh my gosh, it's interesting. What would you want to write about? Like, what can I do to help you? Yeah. I think we treat ourselves, we say things to ourselves we would never say to other people. I would never tell someone that that their dream was stupid. Even if I felt like, oh gosh, that's going to be hard to achieve. I would never tell you that. Like, that's your dream. I want to do whatever I can to help you fulfill it. And I think we need to speak to ourselves in the same way that we speak to other people. And I think also for younger people, I think this mentality of you have to make your passion your work okay I think that's like a goal but you someday yeah yeah I think I think kids a lot of people that are younger than me think that if they're not if their job is not their passion they shouldn't be doing it and I'm like well you could just have a regular job and then have a hobby that's a passion that maybe one day is a career that you can turn into a job. It it does it hasn't have to be one or the other. No, and you don't get your dream job right off the bat. That's the thing that I'm I think people will miss that. You have to grind. You do not get to graduate from college and then get your dream job and be rich and live happily ever after. It doesn't work like that. Like my first job that I ever had, I used to go early in the mornings before stores would open and I would clean the bathrooms. I was part of a cleaning crew. I would clean the bathrooms at Home Depot, at Borders Books, places like that. When I see those signs and I think about my 15-year-old self, I never thought in a million years ever that I would be where I am today because I was cleaning toilets. Yeah. Toilets I didn't use. 
Toilets I would never see again, except for the next morning when I cleaned them all over again. I emptied trash. I vacuumed. I did all of these things. That was not my dream by any means. But I did what I had to do in order to buy the things that I wanted, buy the things that I needed, and teach myself that nothing comes easy. My parents worked really hard for the things that they had, and I was willing to work hard for the things that I had as well. And so I think sometimes people think, if I don't get my dream job right away, or if I apply for a job and they pick someone else over me, then my dream is dead. Or those people were dumb because I was much better off in that position even though I didn't work as hard as the other person. You know what? You can make all the excuses in the world. If you work hard enough to get to wherever it is that you're going, you'll get there. It may not be in the years that you want it to, but you will get there. And if you don't with that specific company, then guess what? Find another one. Yeah. So many people get so bogged down. Well, I've been here for, you know, six years and I'm fully (laughs) vested in the company and I have stock and all of the... Let's stop. If you got hit by a train today and your life was completely over, are you ever going to think, hmm, I'm super glad I never went out on a limb so that my family could get my fully vested 401k? No. Yes, you have to be financially smart, but you also have to know when enough is enough. And only you can tell yourself that. And And no one on their deathbed goes, man, I sure wish I worked more. No one says that. No one says that at all. Not at all. I completely agree with that. So this is your permission right now. You are hearing it from the horse's mouth. Do whatever it is that makes you happy and don't stop dreaming. We are living proof right now. We are living out a dream. We both used to be kids and have a radio show. Like we would would tape record Uh on a cassette ourselves not together because we didn't know each other then but I had my own little microphone and I would interview people secretively you know because of course I didn't want to tell my parents that I was some weird kid interviewing myself but I would I would have different voices I was an actress a singer I wanted to do so much I always wanted my name to be in lights I just (sighs) could see it I could feel it and then I ended up being pretty talentless but whatever I mean we all have our own talents but I mean in the singing and dancing department that was definitely not me (laughs) at all but here we are I never thought I I would be someplace that people are listening to my voice and this is a dream yeah and if it doesn't go anywhere at all it's a fun hobby it's a fun hobby yeah I'm not quitting my job no. I'm not thrown in the town no. saying, guess what? Now we have a hundred listeners, so I get to quit my job. Yeah. Not at all. This is something that we look forward to every single week and truly just want to say thank you because we get to live out our dreams and you guys get to hear them. Yes. And hopefully it sounds better. <laughs> hopefully it does. So anyways, that will wrap up episode four of Sarcastic in Suburbia. Remember on Wednesdays we wear pink and we listen to Sarcastic in Suburbia. Bye guys. Bye.